Flyers Daily with Jason Mertides. It is Flyers Daily. It's a time of year where the game is not on the ice, but so much of the game is determined off the ice in Scouts Week. And our head of European scouting for the Philadelphia Flyers joins Bill Meltzer and I on this edition of Flyers Daily. It's Joachim Grumberg. How are you doing, Joachim? I'm all good, thanks. Uh, just uh, at home for a few more days before I leave leave to Montreal for the draft. So it's exciting times. How much more back to normal is your job? The world has certainly gone uh, considerably back to normal. Matter of fact, uh, on Wednesday's episode, I brought up the fact that NHL attendance over the 89 playoff games was actually 101% because of uh, our world kind of getting back to normal. How's it been in the scouting world? It's been uh, almost a, a normal year. I mean, we, we had a little bit of a rough patch there uh, after Christmas, like early on in the new year with, uh, I think it was that Omicron uh, variant that, that was spreading and, and some tournaments was canceled uh, because of that in February. So, uh, which was, uh, it's always, that, that's a big, that's a big week with, uh, you know, being able to see all the, the top players play uh, play against each other, so we kind of missed out on that one. But uh, apart from that, uh, it's been pretty pretty much like uh, normal as far as getting into the rinks. And there's been few games postponed and and due to some outbreaks. But compared to last year, it's obviously basically been like normal. So uh, hopefully we can keep that going here when we start up here uh, soon again. So and and now we also got uh, the draft. Uh, back to normal again too which is obviously the way it should be so that's that's exciting for sure uh before we get into you know this year's draft uh, i'm curious with the world juniors being rescheduled is is there going to be any uh i mean they can't have the exact same rosters because of injuries and 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 whatnot you know how how is that going to work later this summer and in terms of also you know players who were just drafted or, or whatever, you know, there's always some concern with injuries and those kind of things too. Yeah, no, I, I think it's, uh, it's going to be a little weird and a little different than I know, like just looking at the, the roster that this, this, the Swedish Federation picked and, and they obviously wasn't able to pick uh, like Raymond and Holtz, for example, because their, uh, their NHL teams didn't want to release them. It's uh, kind of a critical point of the year getting ready for a training camp and again like to your point is, is just risking uh, injuries and and stuff like that so they they were not allowed to to pick them and and uh it's uh now it, it's going to be different and and i think also a little bit of a challenge for a lot of the european players that because training camp starts that's probably have, uh, a lot yeah. of people know it starts a lot earlier over here so this is like and, and for a young player, normally you're trying to make the team and now you get picked for the World Juniors, so you got to leave. And then when you come back, you might have a little bit of a challenge just getting back in back to your spot in the lineup just because you missed time when everybody else was in the middle of preseason games and, and, and training camps. So, uh, so no, it's going to be a little different uh, in that regard, I think. And, and it's always hard that early in the year like uh we always say that summer hockey stuff that's you know played in in, in august and it's usually usually uh you know for uh kind of natural reasons uh, players are not as sharp as, as you are in the, in the middle of you know december or early january when it's normally played so uh it's going to be a little different that way but it's um yeah it'll be 
I'm sure it's going to be a, a, a great tournament anyways, but uh, it's going to be a little different, definitely. Yeah, and a quick turnaround to the to the next one, which will still happen on normal schedule as we try and get back to normal scheduling. Uh, let me ask you quickly about, you know, the imitation narrative in hockey. And I don't think it's just a narrative. I think it's true. You see teams that have success, whether it's the Tampa Bay Lightning over the last couple of years, Colorado dethrones them this year. You look back at cup champions, whether it was the Penguins in those back-to-back cups, Washington finally breaks through, St. Louis. And you kind of look at common denominators. And when you're building a roster, you're building the depth of an organization. Sometimes you will go, okay, this is what's working in the NHL right now. Um, How much of that kind of goes in as a factor when you look at, you know, the way a blue line is assembled, for example. I mean, it, like the, I forget who it was the other night. I think it was Landeskog said, you know, how did you guys finally get over the hump and win the cup? And he said, draft, kill McCarr. <laughs> and I mean, the guy's just absurd. But when you're looking at it, how much of it is, okay, what's working in today's NHL and that affecting the, the valuation of a player? Well, I mean, we, we, uh, it's always something that we discuss during our meetings and, and, uh, we, we usually get some presentations and, and, uh, looking at the top teams and how they're built and, and, uh, you know, not, not just through the draft, like free agency and, and trades and, and, uh, things like that. So, so, uh, no, it's, it's definitely something, um, that's, that's always, you know, part of all the discussions and all, all the decisions and, and. It's just that so much on that the amateur side is so much projection a lot of these players and and things will change and they might be five or six years away and 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 uh, you know the league could could look a little different that then when when one player's ready and and your own team might look a little bit different too so uh, it, it's part of it but but you know bottom line you always try to get the you know the best possible player that can can help your you know organization the most obviously that that's the that's the main thing, but, but it, it, it's part of it, but it, it might be more of a, you know, on the pro side where, where you kind of more looking at finished products and, and more short term, maybe uh, as far as that, but it, it's always interesting to, 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 to look at other teams and, and how they're built and, and, and what we have coming and what we might be missing and, and, and stuff like that. So, uh, so it, it's, it's part of it to, to, to answer your question. Yeah. You're, you're the Flyers are in a good spot with the uh, fifth overall pick this year, um, you know, and, and there's any number uh, of players with a with a high ceiling, you know, potentially you, you could draft fifth overall and different positions, whether it's defenseman or center or whatever the case might be. Um, with the Flyers not having another pick until 69th overall, um, you know, and there's always the possibility, of course, of picking up extra assets at a draft. But does that change the thinking of all at all, just in terms of, you know, possibly, you know, the, the amount of risk you're willing to accept on, on a prospect to go to go for a to go for a higher ceiling versus maybe, you know, maybe a little I'm not going to say lower floor, but just in terms of projectability, in terms of a player being you know, not as physically mature as another guy who's on the board or, or something like that, where, you know, OK, well, this guy's a little more physically mature. We have a little bit better sense of what he might be in three years or whatever. Does that alter the thinking at all when you don't have another pick until the third round? Yeah, well, uh, no, I'd say that's not. Uh, I, I know what you're saying. I, I understand your your question, but uh, that won't be uh, a thing for us. I mean, it's going to be 
Um, I, I think it might have been different if, let's say, you had another first round pick or or, or something like that. Like it's gonna, we're gonna, there's gonna be a lot of players picked between our our first pick there at five and then our second pick at six nine. So we're gonna lose a lot of good players uh, at that point. But I mean, you're picking at five, so so basically for us, it's uh, you know identifying five names that we're excited with or we're happy with and then and, and get them in the right order and then uh, hope we get the, the you know the highest you know possibly rated player at, at, at five amongst those guys so um uh, so i don't think that no that won't be a part of the what we do at five and and then at at 69 we'll see i mean hopefully we uh uh, I mean, looking back, a lot of times you can you can actually get a guy. Maybe you have him rated as a mid second round pick or something like that, and you can you can actually get him early early third round. So hopefully that will be the case. And and uh, so we need some luck with sixty nine. I think to somebody that kind of drops us, maybe somebody that we have as a second round caliber type of player, we can get him in the third round. Hopefully so. But at five, now we're gonna try to. I mean, you always have those. Uh, discussions going for the you know high upside or 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 maybe you know a little lower upside but a higher chance of making it and we always have discussions and it's going to be that way this year too but uh, uh just just the fact that we don't have a second round pick won't be uh uh won't be a factor in in, in that discussion though when you look at this draft the 2022 nhl entry draft which will be on june 7th in montreal and we keep hearing so much about well, this is just an average draft, 2023. It's like you guys as scouts, I mean, got to be like, okay, 2023, it, it's looking good. It's going to be great. But stop talking about it. We have a draft to have before we get there. Can we just have this one first, right? So when you look at, you know, this draft, though, where are the strengths in this draft? Especially, you know, there's always a drop-off after there, – there's different areas of drop-off, and sometimes it's more significant than others. How would you kind of look at that – you know, the top of this draft in that first round and kind of rate the drop-offs and around what number of points of pick would they be? Yeah, I, I think it's, it's. Uh, I think Bill said it too, like there's a lot of, I think it's a good mix of different type of players as far as positions and, and uh, uh, you know, right shot, left shot, there's centers, there's wingers, the defensemen. It, it's, I mean, it's not a... Uh, so, so, so I, I think it's interesting that way. And I think it can go a lot of different ways too, as far as, you know, who goes one and then who goes two and three. Uh, I think there could be a lot of uh, uh, surprises maybe as far as when you look at the, all the public, uh, you know, lists that, that, that are out there. But um, yeah, McKenzie it, didn't, I think didn't actually, put right number one. What was that? Bob McKenzie didn't have... Uh, Shane Wright at number one. No, exactly, exactly. So, so uh, anything can happen, and and I mean it, that's always the case. But I think more than more than ever this year, uh, yeah. I think that's true. And and uh, uh, but I, I think it's actually like at the top, there, there's actually some depth. I, I I mean there's there's probably like ten or fifteen players at the top that that you know if somebody told me you know six or seven years ago uh, or down the road that somebody that was picked 12 ended up being should have picked three or two. I mean, I'm, I won't be surprised because it's pretty, it's fairly tight between a lot of players and it's going to be a lot of maybe what flavor and, and what you're looking for and, and things like that, that factors in too. So there's not a, there's not a huge gap between a lot of those players right at the top, I think. Um, sometimes you have guys that just 
shoot up the rankings, you know, in the second half of the season. And and there can be a danger of, you know, I guess what you call recency bias, right? It was the last 20 games I saw him play. Well, he really seemed to take a step forward. There's maybe another guy who maybe leveled off a little bit. Um, you know, one one guy who in, in some of the final rankings uh, kind of shot up a little bit. And there's three, uh, three year Gordon guys who I'd, I'd like to, you know, talk about here. But one of them, uh, the playmaking center, Ostland, uh, Noah Ostland. That, that's a guy who in, in one ranking, uh, I mean, I've seen him in the even top 10 in a couple of lists. Uh, a guy who dominated the you know, Swedish junior ranks and is a you know, great playmaking center. Oh, of course, he had a great winger with him, too, who could go, who could go high in the first round. Um, so I'm curious, the, the, the three guys, the one who's already a little bit more SHL experience, uh, like Karamaki, and then the two junior guys who got a little bit of, of time with the big team this year, uh, Oslin and Ogren. I mean, I obviously it's helpful if you're playing already against the grown men and showing a little bit of success. But I mean, I, I guess just not just specific to those guys, but in general with the draft, you know, when you're when you're looking at, at players that, that come on and sometimes said in the second half of the rankings, I mean, a guy like Ostland, you were generally seeing I saw a lot of end of first round, second round predictions for him, uh, you know, maybe mid season, whereas now in some rankings, he's way up there even just outside or even in one case inside you know a, a top 10 ranking so is, is there a danger and a little bit too much recency in terms of you know the whole season as opposed to what you saw the last few viewings on the guy yeah i mean for sure i mean that that's that's uh it's always always you know dangerous you know um putting too much into uh and, and, and a lot of these guys too. They 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 usually they play at that under eighteen tournament at the end. So it's basically a seven or ten days of hockey. And and if you you've seen a certain thing all through the year, like eight months, and then you see one one week or ten days of hockey, and you want to change your opinion totally. So so that that's probably not what you should do. But same time, like if you see somebody play really well, you you I mean you got to acknowledge it, and and you got to you know you got to be. Uh, take that into consideration so so it's always finding that balance uh, a lot of times maybe you've seen a guy uh, kind of slowly slowly coming like through the year he might not really have that big big jump and then all of a sudden it comes together maybe the last couple of months or or uh, last month of the uh, of the year and then he has a big tournament at the end so then you can kind of feel feel good for it so uh, feel good about it but but uh, no that's always in the back of your mind like um those basing too much in, 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 you know, small sample size could always be dangerous. And that's, that's why we have to watch them the whole year. And that's why we do that too, obviously. So, so, uh, but it's interesting because a lot of times like you, I mean, you rather want a guy finish strong, uh, see him play really basically play his best hockey at the end that usually you feel a lot more comfortable with a guy like that. And, somebody that maybe peaked in November or December and then he never really got going again in the second half, then you, okay, what, why did that not happen? And you kind of more question mark to the guy like that. So, so, um, but uh, yeah, no, it's always, that's the, that's one of the, the main challenges in this job. I think just uh, trying to have that balance all the time and, and, and kind of every, every time you see somebody play, like you got to, try to reset yourself and, and, and kind of just watch what you, what you're seeing at the moment and not maybe, you know, the expectations maybe you have going into the game or what you should have been or what you should have done or, or something like that. So, um, but it's, 
yeah, no, it's it's interesting because, like, to your point, there's always a few guys like that every year that that come along strong at the end and then kind of skyrocket up the, the, these public rankings. And and uh, so, no, it's 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 always interesting and challenging in that way. One of the one of the parts of that equation sometimes is where a player is from, because there's areas that get hot because of success of certain players. Like I, I look at Germany. I think we've brought this up before. You know, Germany's not known as an, an NHL prospect hotbed, but all of a sudden now you got this guy named Leon Dreisaitl. He's pretty good. You, you got a guy like Stutzla. You end up with you know more Cider, some really good players that have come out of Germany, and you know it kind of expands as a European scout where to go because you want to fish where the fish are. You go where the you want to mine for gold. You got to go where the gold is at. You don't go somewhere where there's not gold in the rock, right? Um, is there any area that's been uh, particularly more potent of late and kind of a focus that maybe is not in the normal focus group of uh, a European scout, Joachim? Well, I'd say like uh, Slovakia, like, uh, you know, probably spent more time in Slovakia this year than, than I did done in the past. Uh, I mean, there's always been like tournaments and, and uh, stuff. So you always kind of went there uh, once or twice, at least every year to, to watch those tournaments but uh this year with just with the amount of uh, young prospects playing in the slovak uh top league uh so which which has made your uh you know your travel travel to that country a lot more than maybe maybe in the past and and uh they have a generation of players coming here there's going to be a few good ones next year too so so uh which is great i mean hopefully they can keep that going i mean they have a long history culture of development players in that country so um, and and a lot of times in the past they they uh you know there's a good slovak mm-hmm. to, to finland or sweden or maybe uh, uh the canadian uh junior leagues or, or something like that but there's actually a few that that stayed and, and and played in slovakia this year so it's been interesting uh going to see them so that's probably a country where where uh on the rise as far as as far as as far as that and 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 like you say like germany has been strong here for a few years too and and uh they had a good good prospect there this year too so uh but um uh, yeah no it's 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 good that way i mean it's um it tells you that the, the game is is growing and, and developing and, and other countries are are you know being competitive and, and developing players which is great so that's that's all good uh, I have one more question for you, uh, Yoko. How much of an X factor are, are the uh, Russian players in this draft, just given the political situation, given that the MOA between the, the NHL and the KHL was taken down, you know, as to when, when may some of these players be available? Now, you know, generally in draft, you're not talking about immediate availability anyway, but just, just in terms of all the uncertainty, does that – does that change the picture at all as to where guys may go? Yeah, I, I, I think it will. I mean, I, I think it's uh, it, it's uh, it's going to be interesting to see what happens. I mean, there's there's still going to be uh, players drafted, I, I'm sure, but there, there, there's probably going to be uh, it's going to be a factor definitely. And I mean, it's always been some you know uncertainty with russian players just because of like in the past just because they never you know had that agreement with the nhl that maybe you know the finnish federation has or or czech federation etc so so it's always been that little you know uncertainty layer there and and with 
everything that's going on, it, it's, you know, it, it, there's a lot more, more, more question marks there, but there's still a lot of good players there. And, and um, so, um, and, and I mean, they were, they were seen for, for a few tournaments and, and a few, uh, you know, part of the year. So teams should have some, some coverage on them at least. And, and uh, so, but it, but it's going to be factored in for sure. And then to what extent that's, yeah, that's going to be interesting. Uh, uh, last thing for you, Joachim. Um, you, you look at it, and it's a great question that Bill asks, because sometimes you, you draft a guy and you go, okay, this guy, our projected path to the NHL is X amount of years. And he'll play a couple of years here. He'll move up a level. He'll eventually get to the AHL, whether it's Canadian junior. But in some leagues, you actually maintain control a little bit longer. It's not universal. You draft a guy, you got him for exactly this long. It depends on the path. We see a lot of college kids and NCAA prospects developing and getting to the NHL or the pro game as 22, 23-year-olds because they play a couple years of junior. Then they head to the college game. So they're getting there at 23. And, you know, the entry point for the NHL, it's not like the – like the NFL where they draft you out of college as a junior, you're already a man. They're all men. A lot of these guys are kids. I mean, some of these guys aren't even shaving yet. It's crazy. You see them in their first development camp and you go, are you, are you here to push pucks to just get guys ready for drill? Are you in the camp? <laughs> That's how the line is. But when you look at those guys and you look at the path and the control you have, how much of a factor is that in, in who, when you take a guy, maybe this isn't a first round player, when you get into those second, third, fourth, and fifth rounds, I imagine that that's a factor. How long do we have control of this guy? Can we develop him? Yeah, no, no, for sure. I mean, that that's that's always part of the discussion, especially like you said, you, know, you get into the later rounds, and uh, you might have somebody identify that you really like his, you know, maybe his hockey sense or skill, but he's so weak and and small, and and he's going to need a lot of time just to grow and then get stronger and add weight. You see, dad though, dad's big and strong. You go, oh, well, he's, he could turn into that. <laughs> exactly exactly you're trying to figure out all that stuff and and um if, if he has potential to grow and 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 things so um no it's always it's always part of it and then i think it allows you to uh to reach a little bit more and preact a little bit more especially when you know you have them for four years before you don't you know you don't and especially if you have a kid in finland or sweden perhaps and you know they're in a good position they're going to get ice time uh yep the team or the organization they're with, they're good at developing players. And, you know, you can just leave him for four years and, and, you know, like he's going to, he's going to improve. And then all of a sudden, four years later, you might have a player. So, so whereas, you know, if you had two years and then you had to make a decision, you know, it, it's, he's got no chance of being at that, you know, ready to, to turn pro or come over to North America or whatever in two years. So, so those, those additional two years that you get, uh, with European players, for example, it's it's huge in that regard as far as what you can uh, when you try and preact and what kind of when you try and identify players for the draft. So, so same thing with guys going to college. I mean, there's yeah. a lot of discussions with that because you know, okay, well, he's got a long way to go, but you know, he's going maybe one more year in USHL, then he's going to school and he's going to get time. And and uh, whereas maybe a major junior guy, he's got two more years and then he's maybe he can play as an overage, but then then, you know, clock is ticking a lot earlier on, on those type of players. So, yeah, so it's, it's a little different. Um, you can have a little different mindset uh, due to that, I think. Uh, and it usually, usually, usually it's the later round guys because there's a reason why they're picked in the later rounds because they usually they, 
they're not perfect. They got things they got to work on. So, so, uh, and then if you have time, um, that's usually the key with, with those, uh, type of prospects. So, yeah. And it depends, you know, who's going to be coaching them over that period of time too. all part of the equation. You go, oh, exactly. he's in good hands with this guy, especially for what we want him to be or what we see he's going to be. He's going to be, this is the right guy to kind of mold this piece of clay right now, because sometimes that's what they are. They're just, it's a talent and you got to mold it into a hockey player. Um, Yoakum, safe travels. We really appreciate the time as always. We love talking to you every year. Uh, It's draft time. You're going to be in person for the first time in a couple of years, which is exciting as well. And you go to Montreal to boot. What a a great uh, way to return to the NHL draft. Thanks for doing this as always. Stay stay safe, be well, and uh, we'll talk again soon. And best of luck at the draft. Yeah, thanks. Thanks for having me. My pleasure. And, and uh, yeah, I appreciate it. Thank you. And there he is, Joachim Grumberg, joining us on this edition of Flyers Daily. Coming up on, we won't have an episode on Monday. That's 4th of July. But Tuesday, we will have another Flyers scout. Mark Gregg covers the WHL, will be our guest. Coming up on Wednesday, it'll be Alan McCauley. We had him on, Alan, on last year, and people really enjoyed that conversation. Uh, so Alan McCauley will join us coming up on Wednesday's edition and on draft day on Thursday. Flyers assistant general manager, the man who runs the draft, Brent Flair, will give us a preview of the draft and much more. So that's coming up next week. Everybody, enjoy your weekend. Draft is next week. A lot going on around the NHL before it all kind of calms down again. But uh, in the meantime, have a great weekend. Have a great holiday. Stay safe. And we'll talk to you next week on a brand new edition of Flyers Tale. Wake me when the day breaks. Show me how the sun shines. Tell me about your heart.